Before there was IMDB.com, there was Zach and Dustin. You know those guys who think they know everything about a movie without having to go on the internet to look it up? That's us, but maybe only for the years 1981 through mid-1989. No, I'd say late 1978 through early 1992. (laughs) Either way, we know movies. And even more specifically, we know soundtracks from those movies. Yeah, this is $2 Late Fee with Zach and Dustin. This is the podcast where we pick a movie and soundtrack from our youth that we loved and see if it still holds up today. All in the spirit of positivity and togetherness. Thanks for listening. On to the show. So, hello, sir. How would you say uh, martial arts madness is going so far? Oh, man. I think we got to keep this theme going for every month now. You know, obviously we chose (laughs) martial art madness because of March Madness. But, um... I think it's going, well, I want to do like a funny pun, like a karate pun. It's going sidekickingly well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well done. You know, from, from covering one of our favorite cult martial art movies of all time to interviewing Jesse Cove, who is a rising star, to our interview today. I'm thrilled with the whole martial art madness mayhem. <laughs> How about you? I mean, me too. I, I'm feeling a little, uh, a little sheepish right now because you mentioned side, side kickingly, and uh, we haven't done anything with sidekicks. Oh yeah, the Ernie Reyes or the Chuck Norris? Either one. Jonathan Brandis, a child who daydreams about Chuck Norris, and then meets Chuck Norris. I mean, that's who doesn't love that movie? Very realistic martial arts all the way through, and uh... <laughs> and Joe Piscopo with his shirt off and. Who doesn't love a Joe Piscopo with a shirt off? Yeah. So maybe uh, <laughs> maybe Tasteless Tuesday is sidekicks. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, yeah. For our listeners who don't know about our Instagram page, we, we interact on our Instagram page as much as we do on this podcast. That it, More so, the content on there is, dare I say leaps and bounds above what many would expect on a typical Instagram page. So we've been doing a whole month-long martial arts spotlight of martial art video games, martial art movies, martial art actors, and obviously it kind of culminates with our interview today with the star of No Retreat, No Surrender, the one, the only, Kurt McKinney. You know, as we've discussed all month long, like No Retreat, No Surrender, the pinnacle of good time nostalgia martial arts movies, decent martial arts. I mean, above above mediocre, I'd say above mediocre martial arts and just a great rip roaring good time. No Retreat, No Surrender is. So getting the star of that movie was a real auspicious situation for us. It really was. And just for a little behind the scenes backstory, Kurt was an actor that we had actually wanted to have on the show for quite a while. I reached out to him and then heard back in the beginning of 2021, much to my very pleasant surprise. And Kurt... I mean, you reached out to him in 1984, right? So <laughs> it's, it's really actually, taken some time, but... Yeah, I tracked so him down. So worth it. 
He was he was working at the spaghetti factory <laughs> on, <laughs> on Sunset uh, with that very famous uh, brown butter sauce. Which uh-huh. he will yes. he will he will give you the recipe in this episode if you're curious. Uh, for those, got to stay till the end though. You got to stay till the end. <laughs> you got to yep. stay till the end for those spaghetti factory fans out there, uh, which of which there I'm sure there are me- are, are many. But uh, yeah, no, I reached out to him a little while back, and it was great that he connected with us. And man, oh man, boy, oh boy, what what a pleasant surprise that we had with him for our well over 60-minute conversation. Like, it, it was great. He told a lot of details about the production of Behind the Scenes of No Retreat, No Surrender, uh, how he got to where he got, what he did after that, things that I really had no clue about. And he's a great storyteller. He is. He is. He was. A, he was a super guest. And uh, no retreat, no surrender. Of course, being his first feature film, and kind of talking about everything that kind of comes along with um, that journey of suddenly finding yourself as the lead in a uh, in a martial arts feature film uh, that was being being highly touted, highly advertised, a lot of money and publicity behind it. And kind of being thrown into the spotlight, and it's always uh, it's always interesting to hear stories like that. Sure is, and he talks a little bit about why he didn't do No Retreat, No Surrender Part Two, and does a very mm. very good impression of JCVD Jean Claude Van Damme. That is definitely a must listen part of the interview. It is, it is, but yeah, it's it's all it's all real good, and I'm not just saying that. Um, I'm saying that as a as a fan of nostalgia martial arts movies education all of it so all right folks it's time for some kurt mckinney good times so gird your loins and hold on to that vision and hold on to that vision in the loins of your eyes gird them buckle up enjoy kurt mckinney can't wait I've got an LA Times of full thing of me and Jean-Claude for No Retreat, No Surrender, middle page, whole page, and the other side is Sylvester Stallone and Cobra. Oh my God. Wow. Now that's yeah, a one-two right punch. Side by side, and we were like, wow, that's cool. You made it. You made yeah. it. Well, I, I want to I officially say, because we, we, we started recording, I want to officially say, Kurt McKinney, thank you so <laughs> much for being on $2 Late Fee. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah. I wish I was in LA with you guys. <laughs> you're in, uh, you say you're 30 minutes <clears throat> outside the city. Um, right. And you're about to get a, a gigantic snowstorm. Monster. And how long have you been there? I, I moved to New York in 1994 to do uh, Guiding Light, the soap, and um, yeah. was on that show on and off till 2009 when it was finally canceled. So then I, you know, kids in school kids in college, kids out of college, you know, so just have not, have not made it back, sold my LA house. So did not make it back there. I sold it just before everything went crazy out there. I'm like a dumbass. But anyway. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> and it's still crazy. It's still crazy. It's still here. crazy we have a pandemic and you can't find anywhere to live in LA. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Go figure. You can, but then you'll be sharing it with like eight other people. So and that's <laughs> right. probably not the best thing to do during a COVID situation. Probably not. And you guys have been hammered out there with the whole COVID thing. Oh, man. Oh. Yeah. We, you know, fortunately, Dustin and I, we are um, 
of the of, of the like mindset that uh, doing what's best for everyone is wearing a mask and staying inside as much as possible. Sure. Uh, but I, I live a few blocks from the beach and it's like a magnet of every mentality you can think of <laughs> good and bad yeah so it's beach is still popular it's it's not still busy it's not good you know people aren't staying off of it huh? when when things were at its peak and we we had no idea what was going on really uh it, it seemed a little spring breakish out here mm-hmm. uh just the the minute people feel like there's a, a little bit of a let up they just jump on it, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. and so I've got a six year old son. He's active. He wants to be out and about. And as much as I do, and we're, we're an active family. We like to exercise and work out thankfully. And we always say this on a regular basis, how grateful we are for what we have, not what we want. Mm-hmm. And there's so much to be appreciative of just in our little bubble. And thank yeah. God we have that bubble. I understand it's, it's it, for some people, they, maybe living in a studio apartment with, with two kids, you know, it's gotta be tough. It's gotta be tough. Uh, I cannot imagine. And so I understand that mindset, but I like to think things are getting better. Dustin's a little more, uh, he's more, he's got more of a pulse on, on, on it than I do. I'll check in with him. I'm like, so are we safe right now? What's going on? Yeah. (laughs) He's like, no. Well, it's just, it's just funny in the sense that like, Yesterday at Dodger Stadium, you know, there was a protest that just stopped the vaccinations for several hours where everyone was like, you know, this is not real. Not to not yeah. to make this into some kind of like, um, you know, pandemic dominant interview, but. Right. Right. Thank you for coming on the show to talk about COVID-19 thoughts. <laughs> thoughts from Kurt McKinney uh, from New Retreat, No Surrender in 1986. And, and you know, you, you did you did have this that what you just said, you just uh, you had this a long term career on Guiding Light, which mm-hmm. obviously was beneficial in so many ways. But, you know, for Dustin and I, not a day goes by, not a single day. And I kid you not, not a single day goes by where I don't think about you or I think about really? that montage. I, <laughs> I I'm not think joking. about you. That's cool. I did that. that was intentional. That was intentional, by the way. <laughs> uh, didn't, he did not expect that where I don't think about you. Kurt. <laughs> oh, no. I, don't I, I did wow. that. Uh, okay. You know, How much time no. Do you have? no, no. So, okay. So, so quick, quickly. Not quickly, but uh, you would ask off air, I think, uh, you know, how Dustin and I met each other. One of the things that kind of secured our connection was this love of 80s music, soundtrack music and montages in movies. And I will say that No Retreat, No Surrender, in my opinion, has one of the most entertaining montage sequences ever. Multiple, multiple ones. But once Hold On to the Vision kicks in. Yeah. And, 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 and you're kicking ass. I, I mean, I work out on a regular basis to a mix and that song fe- is featured prominently. So that's why you pop nice. up in my head when I'm working out. Nobody told you that you face the truth alone, but you got the power. Well, you know, that, that, that's your Rocky. For me, growing up, it was Rocky. You know, I was, you know, 14, no 13, 14. And I had the 45 
that I would play on my little record player when I was in my basement, you know, hanging upside down from inversion boots and lifting weights and stuff. You know? yes. yes. Yeah. From an early age, you were an avid fitness guy, right? You were. I started martial arts when I was twelve. Wow. Okay. So yeah. in in Louisville, in, in uh, yeah. Yeah, okay. Louisville, Kentucky. Okay. Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, taekwondo for about. Four years, so I got my black belt, and then I, I went across the right across the river is Indiana from Louisville. So I went over to New Albany and started kickboxing over there in a you know PKA style uh, gym, and did that for you know another uh, four years or something like that before I moved out to LA. Did you come out to LA specifically for acting? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, and n- really no idea, you know what I had. Two two thoughts, you know, because I, w- I would talk to people and say, yeah, I think I'm, I'm going to give this a try because I was doing some local stuff, you know, uh, commercial, local commercials and uh, things like that. So I thought, I think I'm going to uh, industrial films. I did an industrial f- series of films for Kentucky Fried Chicken, like how to handle customer complaints and oh, I was going to say how not to handle them. So, <laughs> so you got your finger, uh, you know, burned in the fryer and how how to administer yeah. the first aid properly. All, all of that stuff. <laughs> I was that guy. That's great. So I, I did that and got some good feedback from the people that were producing and directing those and things like that. And I said, you know, I think I'm going to give it a try. So anyway, long story short, I move I move out to LA. And when I'm going, when I'm going, I'm telling, yeah, I told a couple of buddies and it's like, dude, you know, seriously, <laughs> you're going to, you're going to, you're, you know, you're 22 years old. You're going to go out to LA. Yeah. You, you don't have any really acting background except for what you've been doing here. And, and, uh, what makes you think you can do that? I said, well, I, I don't know that I can. I said, but you know, hell, somebody's going to do it. So I might as well give it a shot. And, um, and I thought going out that maybe I could get into daytime, you know, maybe I could you know, try out for some soaps or maybe, maybe by off chance or something martial arts related that I can, that I can audition for, or try to, you know, get a little tape on myself that way. So that was kind of the, the thought, but still it, it was whatever, you know, I did give me a break. I did ALF. I did highway to heaven. I did all those little episodic things on TV too. Um, but no retreat, no surrender was my first job. It's, um, it's a great story. The the uh, buddy of mine at the restaurant I'm waiting tables at on Sunset, the old spaghetti factory is it still there? I don't know if I don't know if the one on Sunset's still there. Um, but that's God. still a chain, right? It, yeah. it, it is. is. It, God, I used to go to the one in Sacramento all the time. <laughs> the one in San Jose and Sacramento. Yeah. But, My wow, first, yeah. I, I thought, you know, what you know, how do you become an actor? Well, you you got to move to Hollywood and you got to you got to get a job waiting tables. That's what you do, and you go and you go to acting class at night. But just cookie cutter. Okay. That's what I did. That's what I did. That's what I did. Um, but, uh, I remember all my tables getting up one night and ra- racing out of them. I'm like, what the hell's going on? The, the, in 1984, the torch came right down sunset. Boulevard. Oh, wow. Yeah. And everybody jumped up from the table. Everybody in the restaurant, we all went outside to see the torch coming down the street. That's phenomenal. Crazy. Crazy. Uh, we interviewed Mitch Gaylord, uh, in one of our first episodes and, and obviously he's an 84 go- Olympic gold medalist. Yeah. And, uh, and we talked a little bit about that time and 84 in LA was crazy. It was crazy. And I used to see Mitch Gaylord and Chris Atkins from Blue Lagoon, all those guys on auditions, you know, oh, really? all those guys <laughs> right. do it, going to the same right. auditions, you know, right, right. Um, oh, but um, a buddy of mine at the restaurant said, did, did you see that martial arts movie? They're casting in drama log. Do you remember drama? You guys probably don't remember drama log. It was a publication that gave you a listing of, 
of, of things that were being cast, often non-union stuff, but a great way to, to start for a, a young, young, sure. you know, aspiring actor. Sure, and yeah. I said, no, I didn't. So I go get it. And I send in my picture and resume, you know, for no particular part. I don't even think they were just, they were looking for martial artist actors, you know, and I didn't hear anything from them. And weeks went by. And then my buddy said to me, you going to the open call? What open call? He said, tomorrow there's an open call at Sunset Gower Studio. Oh, bless this buddy. Goodness. Yeah. Tell me about everything. And I said, <laughs> I wasn't really thinking about it. Went out that night with some friends, laying by the pool the next day. And I go, oh, shit. That open call. Should I go? Eh, you know, they got my picture and resume. They didn't call me. You know, they're not right. interested in me. They're looking for something else. And I go, you know, screw it. I'm, I'm what the hell? I'm gonna go. Get to the gate, and the guy at the gate goes, Oh, it's you know, it's almost five o'clock. They're they're shutting everything down. And I said, Oh, really? Yeah. He said, Well, they are still trying to cast the lead. I don't think they found that guy yet, but oh. you look you look a little old to play him. He's supposed to be like 17 years old. And I go, yeah, well, that, that's actually what I'm here to read for is for the lead. <laughs> Just yeah. off the cuff, you know. Awesome. And I go in and, you know, uh, the rest is history. I, I got the part. Wow. Yeah. Wow, that's crazy. I'm driving down Sunset with no phone, no, you know, nothing in, in 1984. Because it, it, we, we actually shot it in 84. Driving down Sunset going, I just got, you know, I just got the lead in a, in a karate film. <laughs> so awesome. I was just driving. The sun, the sun was setting on Sunset Boulevard. I'm driving home because they kept me there for hours doing spins and jumps, and they wanted to see everything that I could do. And they had me reading with different people and and all that stuff. And finally, at the end, I was kind of like the only person left. And they were like, "Well, looks like you're our Jason." You know? Whoa. Uh, okay. Wait. I, oh, okay. I, I got to unpack all of this. We got to. <laughs> yeah, totally. I want to go. I want step by step. So you you go to the gate. It's like five o'clock. Yeah. And they. And you get into the room and you're like, hey, guys, sorry, I'm a little late, but I'm here for the lead. Actually, I'm, I get in the line. You get in? Okay. Because there's a there's line. A line. Of people. And somebody comes out and they're walking down there. Uh, no one. First off, except for Keith Strandberg, the guy who wrote the, the, the movie, um, no one spoke English for the most part. You know, uh, oh, wow. the, the director, Corey Ewan, the, the producer, N.G. Ewan. Uh, uh, and some of the other people that were with them, they didn't speak English, so it was all done through. But somebody came down the aisle of people and and said, "You know, you come here." And they took me inside, you know. And then that's when they had started, you know, having me read a little. They start off with the reading stuff, and then they say, "You want to go, you know, go change into your your gi and you know come out and let's you know practice some stuff and see what you can do and all that." And I said, "Sure." And, we did a bunch of kicks and and, and, stuff like and that. you left wow. the room that day knowing you were Jason. I left the room that day knowing that I got. They gave. They said they'd send contracts over to my agent, you know, to sign and all that. And I told them who you know they knew on my picture and resume who my agent was and all of that. And um, yeah, and then probably within a couple of weeks, I started. You know, they told me to quit lifting weights. I wasn't <laughs> a huge guy, but they said we want you to look young. You know, run. Do push-ups, you know, whatever, but don't lift weights. We don't want you to look like that. <laughs> so, oh my gosh! Do yeah. those one finger push, those two finger yeah. push-ups. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. They just wanted it all just martial arts. They didn't want me bulked up, and they wanted me to look as young as possible because he was supposed to be seventeen years old. So. And you do, yeah. Like I wouldn't know that you were twenty-two at the time. You, yeah. you look like a. You I look, look at like it a now. I, go, I look like I was fourteen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it wouldn't really matter either way. You know what I mean? Because it was like. 
it's it, you know it's all about the story and the situation. You could have been home from college, yeah, getting exactly. bullied, anything, right? It, it wouldn't have, <laughs> wouldn't have made a difference. My question for you is: Did you the friend that told you about the open call? Did you get him a nice present? Uh, God, you know, I like I a giant no cell idea. phone. Yeah, I should. <laughs> I'm splitting the 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 money that I make from this with you. Uh, I I I don't I don't know what I did. I can't recall, but uh, hopefully. Hopefully, I at least bought him a beer. Right, right. Yeah, right. 22, that beer is totally <laughs> It's worth it. Cat in the Fiddle Pub on Sunset. Is that still oh, cat, It moved. It moved. I mean, it's it still is. there. It's still around. Man, that Cat in the Fiddle. That place. A lot of those landmarks are, are still around. Um, you know, obviously, right now, who knows what's going on. But but yeah, Cat in the Fiddle moved to, uh, it's kind of like in a, in a nondescript spot. Uh, really? Now. Yeah. That was a great location. Oh, for so great. I, 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 there's so many great landmarks down there that have just changed over so, so much, but you know, the, 1984 was probably, well, the eighties and early nineties were the peak, right? When everything, I got to say 84 was a great time to get to LA. It was such a cool spot. Then it's not the same anymore. It's not, you know, it's not bad. LA is still awesome, but, uh, 84 was pretty kick-ass. 84 was a good time to be oh, in LA. Rub it well, in, gee. Kurt. Rub it in. You <laughs> weren't there. Sorry, you guys uh, weren't born yet. But, uh... <laughs> I was seven. I, I made my way out to California from, from Detroit in 84. And I remember, you know, Karate Kid had just come out. Probably so, similar experience uh, when, with the Olympics. And... <laughs> exactly. I was run, I actually made, I was carrying the torch the entire yeah, 3,000 yeah. miles no. to drive by. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. <laughs> no, but I, I remember when I came out to 84, I had this these, these illusions, you know, this is, I saw Karate Kid. So I thought, oh, I'm just like Daniel. I move out. I, I'm in the car with my mom and we drive all the way out to California. This is, I'm going to get, I got bullied at school, but I was like yeah. 10 years younger than what was going on in that movie. Um, yeah. You know, but, but for you for 84, so you shot the movie in 84, yeah. but like Dustin was saying, it, it could have taken place after college before, you know, during high school. Cause there wasn't a lot of, uh, build up or story. in as far as that is concerned, you're never you know, actually like, at school, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. No. I, I was never, I was too busy, you know, hanging out in my garage and, you know, dribbling basketball right. stuff, right. very, <laughs> with no coordination whatsoever. You know, it's like, they, they say, can you play, you know, can you do martial arts? Yeah. Can you dribble a basketball? No, not really. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's the, it's the fake it till you make it. Yeah, exactly. The guy that played uh, RJ, um, JW, I mean, he yeah. basically didn't skateboard or do anything that he said he did. He just, oh yeah, I can do that. Oh, I can do that. <laughs> but you know, he was fantastic. He he's is great. fantastic. He's he's great. And and we yeah. we've, we've talked about that. That he just he he had such a great presence on screen. It's such a shame that you never really he never really did much after that. Hey, nice move. Hey, thanks. My name's RJ. How you doing? Hi, Jason. What's RJ stand for? Rafer Jefferson Madison the Third. Wow. No wonder you use RJ. Yeah. He used to show up at my apartment once in a while and we would, you know, I don't know, he'd surface and we'd run around Hollywood and go hang out at bars and stuff for a bit. And then he would take off again. And I finally lost uh, touch with him. I'd like to know how he's doing. That would be great. Well, today we have. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) It just so happens. (laughs) But your movie, though, you know, it's it's interesting. Yeah, I I know a lot of it's a cult classic for sure. It is it is it is a quintessential cult classic. And uh, my wife had actually 
never seen it. And we watched it the other night, uh, Dustin and I and his wife, and, and we did a little zoom party type thing, you know? And, uh, and I'm, I'm like yelling at the TV. I, I'm feeling like I'm 10 years old again, reliving every scene. Cause it's so damn entertaining. And the yeah. movie ends and she's like, I'm really happy for you that you get to live through that. again." <laughs> <laughs> really happy for you. The most condescending thing. <laughs> oh my God. I'm really no, happy. She meant it. You. She meant oh, really? it sincerely. Hey, can we turn on my yeah. show now, honey? <laughs> yeah. Can we watch we Bridgerton? Your show. Right. Wow. <laughs> the crown is on. Can we watch the I'm really crown? happy you got to relive that? Uh, anyway, no, but it's, it's, it's amazing, though, that, that it reminded me, it brought up a visceral reaction in me, this, this reminder of what we love so much about that time and that era where, you know, maybe there's there's plot holes in the story or, you know, you don't follow this or that, but it's the energy. And, and you have this presence on screen that is so captivating. RJ, too, like RJ is so great. You know, every character in that Thank film, you, you know, it. it does a really kick-ass performance i think they really like put their all into it you can tell that you're in you like you're having a good time it's just we were so happy to be doing it you know it was a you know dream come true for pretty much everybody nobody you know jean-claude included really had done anything you know we were all aspiring actors but the big thing to that they needed in this film or that they wanted in this film was for the most part was authentic you know martial artists um, so they compiled the people that they could from, uh, you know, that were in the martial arts scene around there. And, uh, and I, and I wasn't in the martial scene, martial arts scene around there. Cause I had just gotten there. I'd only been there four or five months. And, um, so I really is lucky that my buddy at work said, you gotta, you know, you should go. I wouldn't have even known about it. And it was called ring of truth, by the way, at yeah. the time, the original, you, yeah, you probably know that, you know? I mean, we, of course we do. No. <laughs> but I was, I was going to say too, that, uh, yeah, there was a rivalry there, this attitude. I, I was, I was giving, I was saying to my wife that back in the eighties and nineties, there was a rivalry amongst dojos, um, throughout California. There was this, yeah. this idea that, well, this, you know, Fred Villari's studio is better than, uh, you know, uh, Ernie Reyes senior's studio, you know, and, uh, and Fred Villari ended up having his own issues with, uh, <laughs> kind of bankrupting his company, which became United Studios of Self-Defense. I only know that because I was a student for many years there as well. <laughs> you were? Okay. Yeah. And then I remember when like, the, the, the prices went up for the lessons. Mm -hmm. And then my, my, my sensei, who is fantastic, great name. His na name is Radcliffe Flores. And I'm like, your name awesome. is Rad? Oh, that is a great <laughs> name. And, uh, Rad Flow. <laughs> and and then one day came, he's like, they're, they're shutting down the studio. And I'm like, whoa, I just tested for my green belt, you know? And I, and, um, and you're he, like, he's why? Like, because John claude Van Damme just showed up and broke my leg. And you're like, oh, Radcliffe. <laughs> the, the, uh, the exactly. was here earlier today looking for you. Yeah, obviously I, you know, they dramatized it in the movie, but there was a rivalry, right? Did you ever? Were you aware I, I was, of that? I was unaware of that until this very moment. <laughs> oh wow! Okay, okay. I did not know that. Uh, Keith Strandberg had written the the screenplay, and he was from Pennsylvania. So I I didn't really sense that at the gyms that I worked at at in, in Louisville. But um, you sensed it when you went to tournaments. When you went to tournaments, oh, those are the guys from, from Vanderbilt, and those are the guys from here, totally. and those are the guys, the Bloomington, Indiana guys. You know. You you sense that at the tournament circuit. Do you continue to take martial arts to this day, or when did you? I continue to work out to this day. I haven't been in a, a dojo since. Well, I've been in dojos, but 
I haven't belonged to uh, a martial arts studio since I left Louisville when I was 22 years old. Wow. Yeah. Wow, that's a but I've, I've always worked out. I've always, you know, garage, basement, the deck, the patio, wherever, the living room. I figured that if I didn't, I would lose it. You, you, you don't, at some point, I, when I did No Retreat, No Surrender, I probably hadn't worked out in a year. But, you you know, when you're 22 years old, you're like made of rubber. So you, you can do yeah, anything. Bounce back, yeah. Uh, but you can't, you know, at some point, you know, all of a sudden, you, you know, you, you're not that guy anymore. So you have to do it. If you don't do it at least once a week, stretch, so kick, practice all your, your stuff, the, my fear is I would lose it. So I, I, I just do that. Well, you were doing some amazing amazing stunts in that film. Uh, I'm thinking specifically about when you're hanging up upside down from that basketball hoop and you're, you're doing sit-ups. Yeah. <laughs> like that, well, is, I got used that with the inversion boots in my okay. garage, in my basement at home. So I had a little bit of, I mean, I didn't have that whole apparatus that, that they had me on that was made up on the spot. Oh, what if we do this? And let's hang him from this. Oh, <laughs> can you do, you know, can you do that? Can you go out now, go out really high and, you know, it's like, it was always like something coming in Chinese and then somebody interpreting. Oh, yes. Um, I, they want to know if you can um, do this or if you can do that. And I go, okay, sure. I just, you know, there was no, mm, I don't know. There was none of that. It was always like, sure, yeah, let's do it. Well, knowing there was a language barrier, that's got to make it even more challenging as an actor. Well, yeah, it, it was, you know, the, the direction was always interpreted. The scenes with uh, Kim, the, the guy who plays Bruce Lee, um, were he was actually Korean, and so he only spoke Korean and some other language that wasn't English. <laughs> and so there was, uh, they had to interpret for him and me, and then they would say, okay, you know, Kim's going to say this, and which is this, you know. Um, you know, the cup is half full, you know, or whatever, you know, and, and I go, oh, okay. So that's the last, and what's that sound like that last word? Okay. Got it. You know, and I wait for or whatever it was. Wow. And that was like my cue to, to answer. And that, and what, and that's for me to understand what he had just said. That's why I'm listening so intently the whole time. It's like, you're waiting for, you know, waiting for your life. I'm waiting for that <laughs> that word. That's awesome. But it works because that's it's Bruce Lee's yeah, ghost. Right. So if yeah. Bruce Lee's ghost came and visited me, yeah. I might be a little. I might be listening pretty intently as well. <laughs> yeah, sure. You would be. You'd be hanging on every word. I visited uh, his grave. His grave in Seattle. Uh, mm-hmm. shortly after Brandon Lee had passed away. Yeah. And I actually was telling the story to Dustin that, that, that your movie was the first time I knew that he was buried in Seattle with a gravestone. Yeah. So I'd always wanted to make a trek up there. You know, my parents were like, do you want to go to Disneyland? I'm like, no, I want to go to Bruce Lee's grave and that visit, so cool. you know, and I asked if he brought flowers like you did. Really? He did didn't. And I, I did not. What I did, what That's I did do, better. cause I didn't know. I didn't know what his favorite flower was, unlike you did in the film. Yeah, um, I, I knew everything about it. <laughs> but I, I had made the ceramic. Uh, I was taking a ceramic when they offered ceramic classes in high school, you know. And I made the ceramic statue of Bruce Lee from uh, Enter the Dragon, and I brought it up there and I put it on his gravestone. And my mom That's took pictures, cool, you know. Yeah. She's like, "Do you want to go to Disneyland or do you want to go visit Bruce Lee's grave?" And I said, "Because Brandon Lee uh, affected Brandon Lee's death affected me 
quite a bit because I, I was such a huge fan of his as well. Yeah. And he was going to be the next big thing. There's no oh, doubt yeah. about it. No doubt about it. He was he was doing great stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So the Crow like, was amazing. The, the Crow. Amazing. Actually, his yeah. we're, we're recording this like a day before his birthday, which is kind of a trip. But um, oh, really? Wow. But yeah, he, he had done so much. Rapid Fire actually is a really decent action film it, as well. It is. Mm-hmm. But he he his he's buried obviously next to his dad, and I can't went up there to visit both their graves, and it's a powerful moment for me. But I was reflecting on the idea that it was no retreat, no surrender, that I had realized where his grave was. Mm-hmm. And when you guys, you know, obviously you're making the trek from Sherman Oaks up to uh, yeah, <laughs> which yeah, we, spent a, we spent a week in Seattle shooting stuff, you know, establishing shots, and the rest of it was in various places in L.A. Well, it's funny, yeah, it's funny you say that because we're watching the movie again. You see the palm trees and well, and. Yeah. and- you shoot, you shoot the bar scene at the brig, which is yeah, in Venice, Venice which yeah. is still there, by the way. It is on, on Abiquini. Yeah. And I'm like, wait a minute, to Dustin, I'm like, I don't think that's Seattle. <laughs> but you yeah. know, people from outside LA wouldn't know that. No, no, it's so great. It was funny. Um, what, the funniest thing is the, in that scene, you know, where I have to do the flying sidekick, that big monster guy. Yeah, we were me and my buddy were in some bar on Ventura Boulevard a month before, and he was a bouncer there. And I know my, my buddy was always funny, you know, he he loved it that I was a martial arts and he'd advise he was all his thing where you get a couple of drinks and you think he could kick that guy's ass. <laughs> <laughs> and he had said it about that guy. And oh, then really? like, here we are four four weeks later, I'm actually, you know, having to fight the guy in that in <laughs> Wait, the legit the the same guy. Yeah, the same guy, the real guy. Oh wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a trip. I love it. Yeah. yeah, I mean that movie in so many on so many levels is so entertaining, and and I think it needs the greater appreciation. I know um, a Blu-ray came out a few years ago, which was great. It kind of restored the original cut and everything like that. And yeah, and they, they had me do an interview for it uh, yep. somewhere in in uh, Manhattan, uh, down in Greenwich or something like that. I went to some sound studio there and, and did a, did a, uh, on camera interview for the Blu-ray. And then, and then I did a public appearance thing and a Q and a at, uh, we have something in New York called the, uh, the Alamo cinema and draft house. Yep. Cool, yeah. cool place to see, to see movies and drink beer and eat food. And it's awesome. So we did, they did a 30th anniversary showing there and I, and I, uh, went there for a Q and a, we had a great time. Oh, that's so cool. That's so cool. I got to ask you, um, in your, in, in your fight scenes, we, we had, uh, interviewed Richard Norton, uh, martial Mm -hmm. artist and actor and stuntman and, and, uh, a little while back. And he was talking about when he filmed his movies with Jackie Chan, they would often, you know, speed up the, or they, they, they speed up the frames per second. Right to make it a little bit faster. Did they do that in No Retreat, No yeah. Surrender? Yeah, okay. they definitely did. So you said Richard Norton because there's a producer that uh, writers have been who knows Richard Norton has been talking about possibly having us do a project together. So that would be yeah. awesome. That guy's a that guy's a legend. You know, I would love to work with him. He sure is. We we when we had him on the show, we were kind of pitching the idea to him that they need to bring an Expendables, but as far as like older martial artists they haven't done one when it's just straight up martial like you don the dragon wilson cynthia rothrock you know michael win uh not michael wincott um uh from martial law i'm thinking of uh jeff wincott sorry yeah yeah, yeah. and some or of these speakman, jeff speakman, jeff too, speakman right? yeah jeff speakman weapon. yeah yeah perfect weapon that's right <laughs> i mean you guys uh, I, like i i i don't think you like the idea of pitching it in like you know uh, I said, you guys could be in like in a high school, you could be the teachers and suddenly you're kicking ass on the bullies and, you know, 
it's good to pitch all your ideas here. We're beating up seventeen-year-olds. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry, sorry. Someone's going to steal that idea. How dare they? Offer yeah, it to you, the you've world. Blown it now. Do you have that copyright? <laughs> oh, yes, I do. <laughs> As a matter of fact, but, but you um, worked with Cynthia Rothrock, right? I did. Um, did you see that movie? Uh, yeah, Sworn to to Justice. I mean, look, your 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 films, many of those '80s and '90s martial art films, are a staple to this yeah. day. Thank you. He said he yeah, thinks Cynthia's about you great. every day, Kurt. Every day he thinks about you. It's not a lie. Do you still train? Do you still do your martial arts? So I don't. I don't do my martial arts uh, as much anymore. I, I do. I'm an avid yoga guy. I've been doing yoga for yoga. the past twenty years. Uh, my brother. I bet I've been doing yoga ever since my brother uh, broke his neck uh, in a biking accident and was able to. He was. He was. He's not paralyzed because of the fact that he was so, um, uh, you know, loose with his body because he'd been doing so much yoga for so many years. And I saw that. I'm like, I need to be doing yoga now. You, you need to be doing all of those those things. I I had a body surfing accident about eight years ago in um, in Laguna, and I got slammed on the mm. ocean floor mm. there really hard. And I'm, you know, I could not walk well for weeks and you know i, I got we, we were there and then we i got back home here and i was like i gotta go for an x-ray and i did and of course i had cracked like three vertebrae mm. you know oh my gosh so and then i have a buddy of mine who who's big surfer and stuff he goes you know you don't hear about it but that kind of stuff happens all the time people get paralyzed body surfing or or, or um, uh, surfing you know anything you get slammed hard enough on the ocean floor you break your neck yeah and i you know definitely cracked a few there's which is not, oof, not fun thank goodness you're okay i mean yeah. there's a there's a I feel um, very lucky. there's a a surfer former surfer who has an organization called life rolls on which actually takes paraplegics into the ocean on surfboards with instructors and they do uh like these events where they they surf uh, paraplegic surf in the water and then they do like skateboarding events in venice and um but he's paraplegic because he had a very similar injury he just slammed the the sand really hard and obviously didn't recover from it but thank god you did mm. yeah I, so lucky and and if that's not a reason and now obviously with covid if it's not a reason to keep ourselves in somewhat uh, decent shape and you know strength and flexibility and endurance and simply you yeah. know I, I, it definitely is is um is, is something we should all be like striving to no doubt to do. i i've been um i do this form of yoga called ddp yoga so I, I back in the day i was a huge wrestling fan and dustin knows that i'm pretty much still a big wrestling fan and and uh this guy in his late 30s started wrestling and he got a, he had a bad back and he was looking at retirement and his wife's like you should start doing yoga and this is a big tough guy bouncer you know and he's like i don't do yoga that's for girls you know this kind of old school mentality and she's like well, why why don't you try it you know next thing you know he couldn't do it because it was so hard for him but he continued at it and he got better and he incorporated like kind of p90x pilates-esque movements into his yoga and created his own yoga form called ddp yoga which i swear by to this day i'm always telling dustin about it. i'm like you got to do these things you know the, the slow extended pushups and uh, you know, and the movement, it's great. You look at it and you think, well, that's, they're not doing anything. You know, you got to go to the gym and you got to lift heavy weight and you got to do this. And I, I think having a, a good, you know, Clint Eastwood said years ago, like 30 minutes of something every day. And mm -hmm. I, I sort of live by that motto, just like 
but it, it certainly doesn't have to be the same thing. You don't want to run every day. You don't want to lift weights every day. You don't want to do martial arts every day, but something every day. And my wife turned me on to uh, Pio, which is a Pilates yoga type thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, you know, 20 minute, 30 minute, you know, workouts, little routines, but it's amazing how, how you know, uh, how hard it is and how good you feel doing that strength, you know, cause it's a full body workout, the core and the, you know, um, it, it's really good. So I don't do it enough, but I, I do, I, I dig it. I think it's pretty, pretty good stuff. Well, obviously you're doing something right. Cause you look great and you're taking right. good care of yourself. And, um, you know, it, 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 we're, when we were watching no retreat the other day and we're watching Van Dam doing the splits, I showed no retreat, no surrender to my son when he was probably like four, uh, yeah. we, we, I showed him in, in breaks cause I'm, certain parts would be way over his head, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but he loves like the training scenes. And, and I told him I was interviewing him, t- interviewing you today. And he got very excited about that. And, um, but oh, that's great. yeah. And, and cause he's, he's really into, he's like into fighting and stuff like not in, but not in a whole, you know, negative way. Um, but we're watching the movie and I'm seeing Jean-Claude Van Damme doing his splits. And I'm talking to Bodie about doing the splits and he's trying to do the splits. And, and I mean, he, that, he, that signature, that was like the first time I think he had done those, that, that split kick yeah, uh, yeah. move, you know? Yeah. That was his first movie. So that was the first, I believe it was his first, um, first thing he had done. But um, yeah, that, that was, that was really cool. It's funny showing the movie to kids. Some kids are like, you know, my neighbor, you know, had his kids watch it and they were like, uh, and a buddy of mine had his kid watch, and oh, it's he didn't like it. You know, it was scaring him. The, the getting the fight scenes and stuff like that. You know, it depends. I guess their their age. Sure. My kids would always watch it. They wanted to watch it, and then whenever they did, they go, "Oh, Dad, are you okay?" <laughs> they were like, "Did I? That guy shouldn't have done that to you." They just like take it so seriously. They couldn't couldn't quite separate it. You know. Oh yeah, I, my my son actually had more of a harder time with the conflict you had with your dad in the movie um, oh, because he's yeah. he, you know he's such a great it was such, such an intense scene where you yeah. guys are yelling at each other and it felt real. Look, my brother would argue with my mom all the time and, you know, break yeah. stuff or whatever. And, and I've found that relatable, but, yeah. uh, but yeah, it does those scenes where you're getting your ass kicked at one point, you know, it's, it is, it, it looks very realistic and it is pretty much the, I mean, we, uh, you know, the stunts were, you know, we all did our own stuff and, and it was, um, Again, we're young, so we can handle it. But it, it, when we did that, but we're getting we're we're getting thrown around, and you can see when I'm like with the fights with Pete Sugarfoot Cunningham, you know, I'm getting yep. slammed on the floor and stuff. It's you know, you're really you're taking the fall. You're you're, you're going down. There, so there was there was nothing, no part in in the filming where you were like, I'm not comfortable doing this, or you know, especially with the language barrier. Yeah, no, uh, you know, the backflip scene, they wouldn't let me do that. I, I was willing to try it, but the you know, because I could do a backflip, but I had never done that. And they were like, no, 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 we're not going to let you do that. This guy's going to Because there's got to be like this hard balance mentally right between like, you know, this is your first movie. So there's a lot riding on it, whether you want to say that or not, right? Because you want to establish yourself as an up-and-coming martial artist, an up-and-coming actor. So I, I'd imagine there'd be a lot of feeling about like, well, I, I will just do whatever you guys want. Cause you don't yeah. want to be perceived as difficult or, or anything, yeah. you know, Oh, that American guy, he won't do that. You know, for- yeah. You just, you just, again, you're just really so happy to be there. Yeah. You know, the word, uh, I don't think so, or I'm not too sure about that is really not in your vocabulary. You're willing to try anything. Then if they go, no, no, no. Okay. We're not going to do that. You know, maybe they didn't like the way it looked or what you did. Go, well, try this. Can you do this? And you do that. And yeah. That's what we're going to do here. 
you know, because it's everything's just kind of choreographed as you as you go. You know, I mean, they have the the choreographer has got an idea, and the director they all have an idea in their head about what they want, you know, the fight scene to look like, and and you know what they want to happen here. But they were they're always open to, you know, whatever works well for the camera. Right. So you never felt unsafe at any point. No, I never did. That's, That's good. Yeah, I mean, because it's yeah. great martial art. I mean, you're you're flying off people's backs. Who's yeah. the lard ass? You know, it's just like you fly in <laughs> off this other dude and just um rolling <laughs> across car hoods and everything. No, yeah, oh, I, I, so thought I, was, so I thought good. I was Starsky and Hutch or something. You know? <laughs> it really I is. Was, uh, it really is. It's it's a shame, really, that they never explained why Scott hates RJ so much. I, we understand there was yeah. a cut scene um, where RJ trips him in the, in the hallway or whatever. But the idea that, you know, this guy could just be at a restaurant buying everyone in the restaurant hamburgers and then be like, Oh, I hate that guy. Like destroy his own hamburger. And then be like, you know, the, the, I hate that RJ. Why do, you hate, why do you hate him so much? Oh, you don't even know. And then like, you know, 19 guys just leave their, their burgers to go jump this poor guy. In the yeah, and I, and then I get, I'm in trouble just because I'm friends with him. <laughs> right, you know, I, I just, right. Yeah. Oh, he says, he says, uh, he says, uh, uh, Seattle karate is no good. And you know, <laughs> LA karate is the best. And, really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cause up until that point, it seemed like everything was kosher. Like you were going to yeah. have this great workout. I, I was saying to I was saying to Dustin, I'm like, oh, this is just like the time I went 24 hour fitness. And they're like, you know, let me give you a tour of the studio. Oh my God. And then they kicked my ass too. Cause I said, Seattle karate sucked. No, yeah. Kidding. Right. And they just didn't, they didn't take to that very well. Did they? Yeah. It looked like, it looked like uh, Jason was just going to have this wonderful life in Seattle. You know, he was miserable about going, but then when he saw the garage, he's got his own little dojo. I, okay. I'm happy now. And then the, the big kid across the street wants to beat you up all of a sudden and your life is, is ruined. You know, I got to tell you, man, like I remember there was a, these martial art uh, stores that sold martial art, you know, equipment. And mm-hmm. there were hole in the wall places in San Jose when I was living yeah. up there. There was this place. It was like in the in in some you know dirt mall and and uh, at the end of the block and and it was tiny, but they had like every Bruce Lee poster you could think of. They had the kick pads. They had the shoes. They had you know the old school claws that you could order out of the uh, the back of the martial art magazines and stuff like that. And I was into all of it. My mom's like, I'm not buying you throwing stars, but I'll buy yeah. you the Bruce Lee books and the yeah. post, you know, and I wanted all of it. I wanted it yeah. all. Yep. And, and then I'm watching your, your movie with Dustin and we're like, I, I still want a gym like that. I still want a, <laughs> a garage that I can. <laughs> you know? Yeah, right. I still, have, I, that's where my bag is. I have my bag in my garage. So it's fantastic. I, you know, it's still sort of, uh, it sort of looks like that a little bit. Minus the, the posters and the, and the, you know, wooden doll. And <laughs> you don't have a ripped. So I was saying to Dustin, like we should have a ripped up Bruce Lee poster. You have one half. I have the other. It's like friends forever. You know, we put right. it together. And we could have them made into like little necklaces. <laughs> wear your half and I'll wear my half. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that, that movie. Like, point, uh, yeah. Okay. This, uh, this is taking a turn that I wasn't. <laughs> Zach Schaefer, personal stock. Now you both leave no, your uh, wives and uh, start a new life. <laughs> We open up a garage. Down here. Hold on to that vision. Hold on to that vision. <laughs> so did so you said the film got a theatrical release and did you get to go to like a premiere or anything like that when it came out? No. In fact, I was back in my hometown of Louisville and um, for something. And your buddy, and, your friend told you about the premiere. <laughs> 
and my my friend goes, I just saw your movie in a commercial. Oh, he's oh, this is your what? Oh, this is a different friend. Oh, I just saw your movie. I said, what? Really? It, it, it's coming out because I mean, we shoot shoot it in '84. It doesn't come out until '86. Right. And yeah. uh, and then next thing you know, I'm you know watching TV and I see I'm seeing the trailer for it. You know, coming soon to a theater near you. You know, and it's in that gravelly voice. You know that. He, you know, he thought that uh, what I love Fontaine probably did that one. He, he thought he was going to have a wonderful life until he moved to Seattle. He moved to Seattle. <laughs> yeah. So uh, a young, eighteen-year-old boy. Yeah, <laughs> not twenty-two. Yeah, exactly. It's like Quentin Tarantino movie. You know, it's like well, that Grindhouse. You know, uh, type of uh, feel to the to the trailer yeah. and to the the voiceover for a boy and, Cynthia Rothrock alone. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> oh, but, so Dustin always does they were just gonna do martial arts together and then they they realized there was a spark there was something there. <laughs> Dustin does this bit with uh Cynthia Rothrock because uh she did a movie called China O'Brien and what's yeah. the line what's the line in the trailer Dustin where well it's always like you know it's 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 just so offensive the trailer because it's like there are certain places where a pretty girl shouldn't be <laughs> 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 A beautiful woman shouldn't be out doing cool karate things at dark. Yeah. You know, it's a, that's a man's sport. And then she yells out, I can't see you, but I can feel you. And you're just like, oh, like, oh she's beautiful God. and she can kick ass. Well, that's what she was in, in the movie we did. Uh, Sworn to Justice, yeah. Sworn to Justice, she was like a Clara Bland or whatever, you know. That actually, was, that cast of Sworn Justice is, is pretty fantastic. You had uh, Mako in there and um, um, Walter, Walter Koenig, Walter Koenig and Brad Tony LaBianco, Brad Dourif. Yep. Yeah, yeah, great, great cast, you know. But then you kind of parlayed into daytime television, right? Yeah, well, I had already been doing daytime. I did General Hospital for a number of years, and That's then right. and then Guiding Light. So I I actually left Guiding Light for uh, a period of weeks to go shoot uh, Sworn to Justice, and then came back to it. Do you have a preference over one or the other, or was it just like how, how did how'd you how'd you land into the doing daytime soaps? Um, because when you, you know my whole story with uh, you, you with uh, not doing No Retreat, No Surrender Part Two, I was supposed to do more stuff. Yeah, yeah, actually, you know, it, with, yeah, um, that's no. Please, please tell. Please, we do, but we tell do. our audience. Yeah. So so. Um, I wasn't actually working with NG. There was this other guy who had sort of taken over the the you know planning and putting together uh, the the next sequence of films, and um, it was supposed to be shot in Thailand. Cynthia Rothrock was supposed to be in it, um, and everything just kept getting postponed. You know, it's oh now we can't do it because it's monsoon season, or now we can't do it because Cynthia Rothrock's doing a movie for the Hong Kong mafia, and legit. And then I'm going, well, do I need do I need shots? We're going to be filming in the jungle, right? And he's like, yeah, but no, you're fine. You won't need any shots. I go, well, um, look, I'm I I just got married, so I'd really like to bring my my wife, you know. And he goes, oh no no no, you can't, you don't want to bring a blonde haired blue eyed woman where we're going. Oh, all that kind of stuff. So I got really paranoid about it. So I called Jean-Claude and I say, Jean-Claude, what's going on? And they're not going through my agent. They're just calling me directly going, are you ready? You know, we're, we're, you know, you've been training. We're want, you know, we're ready to, we're thinking we're ready to shoot this thing soon. And anyway, it just went on for over a year, year and a half. And, um, I called Jean-Claude and I say, you know, what's going on with seasonal films? And he goes, Kurt, who told you to call me? 
And I go, what do you mean? He goes, Kurt, who told you to call me? And I go, Jean-Claude, nobody told me to call you. I'm just concerned about seasonal films. I can't take my wife. Sent the Rothrock to the Hong Kong Mafia. What, you, what the hell is going on? He goes, Kurt, I tell you right now, I know going. I said, what do you mean? He says, listen to me, Kurt. I know going. There are pirates. We're filming on, in, in, on the Cambodian border. There are pirates in the jungle. You know what just pirates? The pirates, they come. The pirates, they come. They steal they steal our passports. They steal our equipment. The police, they come. They don't know who we are. They fuck us in our back. I know that. This is the greatest so, phone call in the history of phone calls. <laughs> I said, Jean-Claude, what? He goes, Kurt, I know going. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so, you know, my agent, my agent the whole time, too, was going, you know, this, I'm not sure about this. Oh, it's God. You know, and, and the irony here is if I would have been dealing with Keith Strandberg and NG and the people that I worked with originally, I, I'm sure it never would have, you know, sure, happened. Sure. Like that. Yeah. But, yeah. but, so, but my, my <laughs> agent uh, says, you know, we really don't want you to go. There's stuff going on here. We really want you to. And then they sent me up for um, just basically right after that, they, they set me up for um, the American Ninja uh, films and, Dudikoff, I guess, was not going to be doing the second or third one or whatever. So they they offered. Me. So I, I go to audition for part three. I got it, but they said, "Yeah, but we want you for three, four, five, and six. And my agents were like, "No, you're not committing to, you know, uh, oh yeah, you know, four films in South Africa." And at the time, it wasn't very cool to work in South Africa with the apartheid and all that that was going oh, on. There. So I said, "Well, look, I I can't just keep turning down work here." They go. How about a soap? And I go, fine, let's do a soap. And I went up, <laughs> I, I, I went up for General Hospital and I got this it. So that's what, you know. You know right. like a, just, it's either Cambodian butt, butt pirates or, yeah, but, or, <laughs> or soap. Or slave traders in South, South Africa. Or, <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. Oh. Let's go with the that soap. That is phenomenal. Oh yeah, God. yeah, it's 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 good stuff. So, so then I do, uh, after General Hospital, I stayed on General Hospital for a few years. And then I did an interview with Kung Fu Magazine. And I'm telling them basically this, this whole story. And they're like, wow, you, you know, and I had left General, General Hospital to go pursue other things. I did a, a movie of the week, a backdoor pilot with Robert Conrad, one of my heroes. Yeah. And, and, um, and that didn't go. Good and, vengeance. you know, I'm kind of, yeah. It, yeah, yeah. And so we did that, but it, it didn't get picked up as a, as a series and there were several others. And, um, and so finally I'm doing this interview with, uh, masters of Kung Fu magazine. And the guy goes, wow, you, you kind of like turned down more work than you actually take. I'm like, I left there going, shit, you bastard. He's right, man. I'm what, what the hell am I doing? I got to say, yeah. So my agent calls me right after that for, um, for um guiding light they said you know i see you for guiding light you, you would you would you be up for doing a soap now and i go yeah i guess so i don't want to move to new york but you know just bought a house in in the valley in, in oh, north wow. hollywood and oh. I'm like, you know i had had it for a couple of years but anyway i wasn't not looking to move it was miserable with the thought of moving to new york miserable yeah. i toiled over it and in fact i had got a job selling cars at mazda of north hollywood because I didn't want to just like spend every money, you know, every bit of money I'd made at, at General Hospital. So I'm at the car dealer and, I, and they made me an offer. And, you know, I didn't like the offer to move. It was not where I thought it should be to pick up and move and go to New York. And plus, after my 
my uh, experience of doing general hospital for a few years. Um, but this was two years after that, you know, kicking around doing stuff. And um, I'm literally sitting in the showroom of the car dealership going, what are you doing? I'm looking around. I'm looking like, do you really want to sit here one more minute? And I go, you don't. I picked up the phone and called my agent. It goes, oh shit, they're, they're getting ready to shut down. You know, they're three hours ahead of us in New York. Let me call them. They got me on a, a red eye. Wow. I literally fly in on a red okay. eye to New York. I have two hours of sleep in the hotel room. They pick me up. They take me to the studio for the screen test at, at, at uh, Guiding Light, then put me on a plane and send me back home. Wow. And then I get home and they said, you got it. So start to back your shit. Oh, that's <laughs> But, but so, so that, so I'm in, I'm there, I'm doing the show and you know, the newsstands all over the city and I go by and masters of Kung Fu is right up there with me on the cover back after hospital stay was the caption. Oh, it was one of the both sold masters of Kung Fu. They oh, ever, I bet. They were had. Oh my God. Because they make it look like I've been in the hospital all this year. <laughs> God, yeah. he, he's had a, he's had all this work done on his body. He's a million dollar yeah. man. <laughs> well, you know, one thing, like like you said about No Retreat, No Surrender, that, that franchise, I think, could have been huge if they had kept you in it and they had done had gone a different direction, in my opinion. The same could be said for Iron Eagle. I think in the, the sequel, Iron Eagle came out in 86 as well. Jason Gedrick's yeah. obviously in that. He was hot. He, they do Iron Eagle too. They kill him off in the first five minutes of the movie. And then the franchise just goes on and does its own thing. Those are old stories, obviously. And, and, and armchair quarterback is like, oh, well, they should have done it like this, you know. But you think about these 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 films that we're not talking about No Retreat, No Surrender 2. We're not talking about Iron Eagle 4. Like we're, we're these movies have a staying power because of their lead actor. You have that staying right. power. You have that presence. And and I think I, I don't now I want to track down that magazine. But, uh, you know, I look at it and I go. Yeah, like it, it's in your closet right behind you, by the way. Right. Just, uh, top it, it, no, with all not, the not hard, not hard to track down. 1994. Uh, <laughs> yeah, all the VHS yeah. copies of Guiding Light and, you know, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, but, but the, the idea of like, we want to see you on screen and it's so great to see you in, in any capacity, you know, and, and, and being a presence because you you had that from the moment we saw you, no retreat, no surrender. We're like, I want to see more of this guy. This guy's got that thing, you know? And so, yeah, thank God you were in that Mazda dealership and like, what the hell am I doing? And I think that happens often with people where they're like, right. what am I doing with my life? And, and, and oftentimes, and I think more times than not, they continue to do that thing that they're like, why am I doing this versus mm -hmm. taking yeah. that risk, taking that chance. I think within this COVID time, it has in a good way has given people an opportunity to be like, is this really what I want to do with my life? Because life is short. Life could be gone right. in a minute. Uh, you know, we're talking about Brandon Lee, like that, 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 that flame got extinguished just like that. And, and you think about, accident, it was a know? stupid accident, a horrible moment. And you think about, we have this one chance to do whatever we want with our life. And you, and you took it. Thank God you did. Yeah. And, and you do. And it's hard when you're young, too, because you don't know which road to yeah. go. Oh, should I? You know, you got your agents telling you, no, we you know, you you should be in this movie or you should be going up for that or we don't want you to go. You know, and and sometimes you have to just trust your own instincts and say, you know, um, this feels right. You know, I want to go do this or um, but, you know, work begets work. So if you <clears throat> if you're working, you know, it may not be exactly where you want your career to be or what you want to be doing, but hopefully uh, it will it will take you to the, the the next place that maybe will be that dream job or that 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 great 
breakout you know performance in a film that you you're hoping for that you're dreaming about yeah exactly uh, th there are there are millions of people that want to be an actor or be in the film business in to some degree yeah. and to have any opportunity and i've said this before any opportunity whether it, it's a movie that five people saw or whether it was a huge blockbuster or whether it was a tv series that lasted for eight seasons or, or lasted for eight episodes the fact that you get to do it that the fact that you got there is so powerful mm -hmm. and it's so important i think for people to say just to have that opportunity and you know thankfully you did it's, it's a wonderful opportunity and a lot you're right a lot of people don't get it and you have to look at it no matter how small the film is or how small the part is. there's an old saying there there are no small parts yeah you know every part you play should be uh, you giving it 110 percent. you know you don't i had somebody on the soap one day tell me ah, oh, you know let's just go do it you know we don't want to worry about it. nobody's going to watch it anyway or some you know flip comment like yeah. that and i go you know what it doesn't matter I'm, I'm doing it i'm not going to get up there and 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 you know just act crappy because i don't care you know i'm going to go up there and still give it a 110 percent. you know i'm not going to not give it my best it doesn't matter if somebody's watching it or not or you think the scene is not a great scene really now that that's beside the point you want to make it as as good as you possibly can, you know. You you see great actors in in films that are not so great, you know. But they usually shine because they go at it the way they would uh, a huge budget, perfectly scripted, you know, uh, cast ensemble film, you know. And and they're not they're not thinking about well, it's it's low budget or it's this or it's that. You, you can't think that way. Well, I think that's why when we were saying earlier that the cast of No Retreat has that energy about them. When you and RJ are in the garage together, which sounds really weird, uh, but, <laughs> but you know, and, and and he's got this smile on his face. You guys both look like you're having just the greatest time. And and I'm looking at RJ going, okay, RJ clearly has no friends because he just met you and now you guys are best buddies. And so I feel bad for RJ. I'm like, poor RJ's getting bullied by this dude and he's running around on a skateboard all the time and he's got no friends and he meets you and you can dribble a little and you got some dance moves you incorporate a little break dancing into the final fight sequence at the end you know which i thought was so badass and and uh and then rj's got his obviously it's not him doing the dancing but who cares like he sold it he sold it like he did what's this <laughs> well i dance a bit and now i'm really quick i rock to the beat so viciously why you go imitating I like to feel my highs, I like to feel my lows. Right, rock, 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 try to kick it with your soul. I'll do it for you now and I'll show you how. I rock to the beat, so watch my feet. Yeah, to totally went for it. You know, I mean, um, here's RJ. He's got. Uh, He's got a guy who moves in now. He's finally got a buddy. But you can remember that when you were a kid. You meet some kid, and all of a sudden, he's your best totally. friend. Totally, absolutely. You know, you, you're literally met each other 30, 40 minutes ago, and you bring him home. Hey, mom, this is my new friend. You know. Stuart, we just met, you know, and you're like best of friends. Yeah, that is, it's that awesome. is true, actually. Yeah, it's yeah. funny you say that because I think moving out to California when I was when I was eight and uh, my best buddy who lived down the street, this kid named Jason was. Yeah, we, we were like thick as thieves from Jeez. the minute we met. Wait a minute. J Jason <laughs> Brown, Jason Brown. He's now in Atlanta, but that's a whole other story. Um, but Kurt, you know, coming on our show, being able to share your story, it, it's wait, so wait, powerful. Wait, wait. You just segued real hard. Hold on a minute. Zach, you brought up something really interesting, I thought, um, and I'd love to get your thoughts on this, Kurt, both of you guys, is that you were like, you know, no one remembers never, um, No Retreat, No Surrender 2, Iron Eagle 2. 
And I like, are there, what are some of the sequels that you do remember that are as good or, or better, you know, and specifically martial arts is what I'm thinking of in your guys' mind. I don't know that there are many in martial arts films. So I, I, I think, I think sequels are tough to do. I mean, I think, uh, Stallone did it with Rocky, you know, yeah. uh, Rocky two was, was the great, you know, three. I mean, it, eventually it got a little, little bit redundant there, but, but first, the first two or three were great. Yeah, totally. You know? I, I think, um, but I'm not sure that there are a lot of martial arts films that have the number two, after the main title that I would say, wow, that was as good as the first one. So I think it is a little difficult to, um, to follow, um, the first one of any, of any movie, you know, was Godfather two as good as Godfather one? Some people say it is, yeah. but aliens, you know, aliens, people, people say it's better than the first one. And you know, it's different. Yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah. I would say karate kid two, you know, was, was able to continue the storyline because I think John G. Ableton had a vision of always doing more than one. Um, and obviously that film, that franchise has staying power. And I look at that now and I'm like, okay, they're bringing back actors from all those other movies. And there's a guy online who's a big last dragon fan. And he's like, I want to get time into the Cobra Kai series. You know, we, we need to bring all these martial arts actors into the series. And it's like, well, yeah, okay, but let's bring in Kurt McKinney into the Cobra Kai series then. Oh, yeah. nice. I didn't, yeah. I have not seen it yet, but I hear there's a lot of buzz about it and people like it. And so uh, hopefully it does. Well. I, think, I think what it's doing based my own opinion, I think what it's doing is it's reinvigorating um, this love of a, a nostalgic time. You know, our mm -hmm. show, what we do on our show, it's all about loving the nostalgia. And what do these films evoke in us and why do they have this? You know, it's funny. My my daughter's 22 and she said, you know, the, she goes, I think the eighties were the greatest. Time. <laughs> yeah. She goes, I look back and she goes, it's because, you know, you know, it, it wasn't so far back. Uh, you can't relate. And it seems like every, you were just, it was a certain nostalgia, a certain innocence to it because you were just on the cusp of everything happening, you know, with the internet and with totally. computers and cell phones and all that stuff that we were, you know, just on the verge of happening, but hadn't happened yet. So I, I, I think she, she nailed it, you know, there it is. A, it's kind of a, and you know, we talk about it being a cheesy time, cheesy movies, you know, and, and all of that. I mean, you even watch Top Gun and it seems oh, sort it's, of cheesy. It is. <laughs> it is. And that was the biggest budget, you know, movie of that time. Oh, probably. you couldn't tell but, people uh, that it was cheesy back then. They would, you know. Oh, well, it wasn't. I mean, that was new stuff, yeah. you know, when, when, Star Wars came out and, you know, all those movies came out. It was, I like the seventies movies too. Though. Oh, ditto. I, yeah. I, I really dig seventies stuff. Well, you, yeah. you hit upon something that I think that's important is that it was the last decade where we weren't tied to some device, you know, and, right. and, um, or the, or the devices were tied down and we couldn't move them around, you know, <laughs> they weren't remote yeah. or right. whatever. You know, they actually had to get up yeah. and turn the channel on the TV, but, um, but it was the last time for that, you know? And so the yeah. idea of like, well, when you were done with that Atari 2600 game, you'd go outside and actually ride your bike or you go exercise, you know, or the movie ended and you couldn't limit the number of movies at our fingertips and, and, and video games and, you know, chatting uh, online or, you know, on your cell phone. You're yeah. Right. It's changed. And, and your, your daughter, you have, you have two kids, right? Yeah. Yeah. Cole and Madison, they're 
Uh, Cole's uh, twenty, going to be twenty-five, and Madison's going to be uh, twenty-three. Babies, next month, babies in March. Yeah, they uh, and they're not martial artists. They're not. You know, um, I, everyone had the opportunity, my wife included. Um, everybody had the opportunity to to learn because I've you know throughout the years I've taught you know privately. I've you know people that wanted to learn. I've, I've done private lessons and things like that off and on. And, and they all certainly did a little bit of it, but nobody, you know, grasped it. You know, they, nobody got a hold of it and said, I, I, I want to do it. My kids uh, grew up in a town that was small um, and very sports oriented. Mm-hmm. So they always, they wanted to be on the teams with all their friends. So it was basketball, it was baseball, it was lacrosse, it's football, it's wrestling, it's field hockey, it was everything. So there really was no time for martial arts for them. But so and what and what and I meant to ask you earlier, what drew you to martial arts when you were 12? I, my you know, I I, um, I had just seen karate and, you know, kicks being used in a few movies. You know, when I did the movie with Robert Conrad, he goes, you know, I was the first one to be throwing kicks. I said, I know you were. I used to watch it because um, awesome. when I got that, I, I, I arrived on the set of that movie and I was like, um you know, they got, gave me my trailer and got me set up. And they said, okay, you, you're going to go uh, run lines with uh, with uh, Mr. Conrad. I go, Mr. Mr. Conrad. And they said, because I didn't know who was in the film. I just got oh, it. Wow. You know, it was a, and um, it was a movie of the week, yeah. you know, back when they did that. And I uh, I said, uh, Mr. Conrad, yeah, Robert Conrad. I go, Wild Wild West, Robert Conrad? And they go, yeah. And I got to go to his, his trailer. And they go, yeah, go, his trailer's right up there. He's waiting for you to run lines. I went in there and I was, my jaw was down to totally. hell. Like, yeah. I used to watch, I mean, you, that's my favorite show. You look a little like Robert show. Conrad now too, you know? He was a great guy. We had so much fun. He couldn't walk past me on the set without like throwing an uppercut or something at me. And then I, I you know, I would throw one back at him and he would be like, oh, I like that. You dropped that shoulder just right. Man. It's good. <laughs> He he reminds me of that uh like John Saxon and you know that like that old school yeah. uh, it's, when you said you're a fan of the movies from the seventies, that it, definitely a seventies look, you know, in a good way. Yeah. Like that tough guy. Yeah, they had that, that tough guy look, Charles Bronson, all those oh, guys, man. you know, had that um had that thing going, man. It was it was uh I don't know. I, I just like Clint Eastwood movies, I like all those old movies from the seventies. The way they the way you know, the storylines, uh the way the way they ended, they were not always like the big, you know, happy ending. They they were to me, they were almost like less cheesy. You yeah. know, they had a little more grit to them, like Hollywood did in 1984. Well, no doubt, no <laughs> doubt, uh, no doubt. Yeah, I was gonna say the 70s were the the end of the kind of that dark period of like, okay, this is it. It's, it's, it's over. It's depressing. And then the eighties were like, everything's happy. Nostalgia. We're, we're throwing Jason high up in the air. And he's going to, fortunately you didn't yeah. fall on your neck at that point when they were. Oh, I did. They did. They, oh, they, you said yeah. in the thing, they do drop me. A yeah, they do. Bit, you know, yeah. not, not hard. And then pick, you know, pick me back up and get me back up. There. It's like, <laughs> I mean, these extras that they found for that, it's like, where did they, they were, where did they find these people? They just literally, you, you want to make 50 bucks, you know, come on, come here. What do I got to do? Huh? <laughs> Just throw this kid up in there. Got it. <laughs> Is there anything that you would like to uh, promote social media? How can people find you? You said you do some coaching. Is that something that, um, you know, uh, you know, I, I'm not on social media. You know, I spent so much time, um, uh, in the, um, late eighties and early nineties, you know, trying not to be found because when you're on a, a, a daytime 
uh, drama, people try to track you down. So I never I think your really character did. too. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you never, never really did that, that sort of thing. So um, I'm not. Um, I'm. I have a, a film that I that I did uh, about a year ago uh, where I, I play um, uh, the lead's father in a, in a, uh, a romance novel um, by Sylvain Reynard. It's called uh, Gabriel's Inferno. That's that's running right now on uh, Passion Flicks. Okay. Tosca Musk was the director. I'm supposed to leave soon. Um, it was supposed to be last year, but uh, didn't happen due to COVID. So I'm, I should be if things go well in the next month or so to go do the second part of that. Right. It's a trilogy of uh, of films that uh, I'm the dad in. Oh, nice. Right on. Uh, uh, so I'm in that, but no no martial arts stuff. Uh, like I said, if the if the um, the one with, um, with Richard Norton comes about at some point. We, that would be great you know, talking about it. So we'll see. Yeah, he's one of those guys that he'll, he'll make it happen. Uh, he's, he's, yeah, he works all the time. Great guy. guy. Uh, yeah, we have a, we yeah. have a long history with him. So, uh, you know, he's just solid, solid. Dude. Put in a, put in a good story. Tell him I'm, I'm ready to go. I, I'm going to mention it. He's directing. Call him right now. <laughs> he's directing. Well, well, he actually he spent a week at our house actually in Santa Monica's with his wife. So, Oh really? Oh wow! It's a it's a it's, it's a long story, but uh, it, it you know it turned out we wanted to take him out to lunch. He was in L.A. doing some some stuff for Suicide Squad two, and we wanted to take him out to lunch to thank him for doing the show. And his his wife came, Judy came with him, and uh, so sweet. And they had mentioned that their uh, Airbnb fell through while they were here, and and I'm like, oh well, we, we kind of have one, and it's more of just a loft area. I'm actually in it right now, and uh, and they ended up staying with us for six days. Uh, it was only supposed to be a couple days, but they had a layover and they were supposed to go to Atlanta and, that, and the flight got canceled. So they were here for a few more days and they taught Bodie how to, Richard's like, this is how you cut a man with a sword. And he took, <laughs> takes out his sword <laughs> and uh, a super great guy. Like they're, they're just the salt of the earth. So uh, yeah, yeah, I'll mention, I'm definitely going to mention that to him for sure. Cool. Cool. That'd be great. Awesome. Oh my goodness. Wow. Thank you so what much. A- yeah, Kurt, this, cool. this has right. really been let's go to the Cat and Fiddle. Yeah, let's do it. Let's go to the Cat and Fiddle and uh some of that spaghetti factory. Uh, spaghetti factory had a great brown butter sauce. Do you guys remember that? Mazetra cheese brown butter sauce on oh. the pasta. Yeah. <laughs> and the the sourdough bread with the garlic butter. Yeah. And the spumoni ice cream. Yeah. You like, do you guys remember that? Not only do you remember it, I'm gonna tell you what's in it. The sides. <laughs> <laughs> are cool i like the show i like you guys you. and so let's stay in touch if you guys ever want to talk again about anything just you know reach out you got my my info keep it and i'm you know i'll be around that would be great that would be great and if we ever track down rj we could get a little uh get him on get him on there <laughs> have you guys ever tried to get jean claude on have you have you reached out to him? not yet um but yeah. that, that that is definitely down the road something we want to we want to see uh because you know we want to know his beginning story not not the middle and the end but the beginning of how he got to where he is you know how he got on that movie yeah right. incredibly uh driven i mean he knew he wanted to be a martial arts star when he got his first job at um after that i think it was canon films uh blood sport yeah. and he he kept waiting for Menachem Gol- yeah. Golan, whatever his name was, at Cannon to come out of the office, yeah. you know. And he came up to him and he goes, I am Jean-Claude Van Damme. I am the next action film star. And he threw a sidekick over his head, you know. 
That's how he, he, he met the I, guy. You know, he, uh, there, they, there was a release party at this place called Dark Delicacies on Burbank. It's like a DVD. They, they do they cult film, stuff like that. So they do like DVD releases where the actors are there and they do a Q&A. And they did one for uh, his film, um, Lionheart. And the entire cast showed up. He wasn't there, but but the entire cast showed up. And one of his good friends, I forget the, the actor's name now. He was, uh, he's been in a, a bunch of Jean-Claude's films. But he and Jean-Claude came out here together from brussels and they told the story he told the story about how he and jean-claude were homeless and they slept on the beach in santa monica and they stole uh, cans of tuna from the the vons here on lincoln and uh which was like a safeway at the time and they 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 ate a rotisserie chicken in the vons so they didn't have to pay for it you know and uh and and then and then and then security stopped them and said hey you guys are taking cans of tuna and he's like look you guys look like you're good guys. Uh, I got a buddy of mine, and they're like, "Well, we're fighters. We're kick, you know, we want to be the next action stars." And he's like, "Well, I got a friend of mine who owns a kickboxing studio uh, in, in in Venice. Maybe you guys can sleep there if you clean the floors or whatever." And that's where they hung out for a, like a month or so. No, and they cleaned the heck out of this place, and uh, and that's kind of where everything started, I guess. And and the guy's like, "You know, I'm going to write my book someday. I'm going to write my book someday." I'm like, "Write it, <laughs> you know, yeah. get it out there." That's so. Great. He had an old 68 uh, beat up Mustang, not Mustang, uh, beat up uh, Volkswagen that had different colored bumpers and it was all pieced together. And it literally had a dead battery. So every night when he would leave, I had to push him to to get it going, pop the clutch and and take off. He didn't have any. He ended up meet. uh, I think he was married in Belgium and then divorced, came. She she owned a gym, that girl. And then he came here and he met some uh, Persian girl. He married her. Um, and then divorced her. And then he did that photo shoot with Gladys Portuguese for like muscle and fitness or something, yeah. married her yeah. and he divorced her and married <laughs> another one. And so I'm at, at house of blues one day, one night and I'm on general hospital and he's doing something and we're there for some reason. I get a tap on my shoulder. I turn around and he goes, Kurt, it is me. Jean-Claude. <laughs> it's oh me. my God. Did he wink after you did that too? Did you know, probably. Uh, and he had that. Uh, Darcy, Darcy, I think was her yeah. name. God, that's yeah. funny. My wife, Darcy. Now, then he went back and married Gladys again. Yep, yep. He he had a like a little reality show for a minute on Showtime. Uh, it's 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 highly entertaining. I will say that he's a you know he's an animal lover too. He's like, yeah, he's a guy. He's 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 a dynamic dude. But Kurt, th- thank you, man. Thank you so much for being on our show. And um and yeah, th- this is this is definitely the 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 beginning of many more in the future. Well, well good luck to you guys. I hope. uh I hope everything explodes for you and you guys, you know, do very well. Good meeting you guys. All right. Likewise. Thank you, sir. Thanks for, thanks for coming on. I just wanted to say goodbye and remind you that the good guys always win, even in the 80s. All right. Thanks so much for listening. We really appreciate it. Don't forget to subscribe and give us a four. Is it five star rating? <laughs> Don't forget to subscribe and give us a five star rating on iTunes. We really. Yeah. <laughs>
Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a five-star rating on iTunes. If you listen to us on Spotify, that's great too. And you can find us on the internet. (laughs) Don't forget to check out our website at $2LateFee.com and follow us on Instagram and Facebook at $2LateFeePodcast. We'll see you next time. We did it. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.